Gemara, Moed Katan, Daf Yud Aleph. Our Masechet has been dedicated by our good friend Mr. Martin Rani. Amen. We begin today's daf Yud Aleph Amud Rishon, and we're starting from the new Mishnah. Few lines down. Matnitin osin maakel legag ulman peset. So on Cholamu'ed, one is allowed to make a maakel. English they call that a parapet, or it's a fence, in order to put it on the roof. So nobody falls and gets hurt. Well, Marpes would be, let's say, the uh, the balcony, second floor. So therefore, again, one needs to uh, enclose these areas with a ma'akeh. However, the Mishnah puts a condition, ma'aseh hidyot. It can only be done in an amateurish way. uman. It cannot be done in a professional way. The Gemara will tell us the difference. Shafin Itasidakin. That the uh, oven sometimes has cracks in it. So the Mishnah says you'll have to smoothen the cracks. Umagilin otan bimagila. And you're allowed to uh, use a uh, a certain type of a roller, and they roll it on the ground on the uh, base of the oven. It's like a, a piece of wood, it's round, and also that. When you roll it in a circular motion, it seals the cracks. Beyad, you can either use your hand or uberegel. Uberegel also, uh, either you could take a piece of wood with the hand in order to, and roll it around in order to close the cracks, or with his legs, you know, just press down on the base of the oven. Avalo bimahaltsayim. But you cannot use this special type of apparatus called mahalatsayim. Again, it's a type of wood. It looks like a footprint. And they press it, you know, again, at the bottom of the oven in order to uh, to keep the cracks closed. It seems that the mahalatsayim is ma'ase'uman, is more professional than the uh, ma'agila. Hatsir v'atsinor ve'akora ve'amman'ul ve'amaftayah. Now, before we get into the details of each one of these items, all these things have to do with components of the door and its lock and its key. So regarding all things connected to doors and locks, shinish beru that broke, metakenan b'mo'ed. You could fix it on hola mo'ed for the obvious reason, because if you don't have a good door or a lock, so you could have ganavim. If you have ganavim, it's obviously considered a hefsed. So all the parts of the door... Now, regarding these doors over here, uh, Rashi will tell us that the tzir, he calls it regel adelet, that's the foot of the door, maybe we call that a hinge, a sinor is the, the hole in the ground where they put the, uh, where they put the, you know, the, the hinge into and the, uh, and, and the socket. The korah is, let's say, we'll call it the lintel, which is on top, the man'ul is the lock, the, the mafteh is the key, all these things, you could fix on Hola Mo'ed, which means uh, you can't wait till Hola Mo'ed to fix your door. If it broke on Hola Mo'ed or whatever it is, of course you could fix it, but you can't plan, you know, and wait and delay to fix these things for Hola Mo'ed. And the Mishnah then concludes, Vechol Kibashin, Kibashin is like pickled items. Vechol Kibashin, when it comes to pickled items, 
בכל כבשים שהוא יכול לאכול מהם במועד, as long as the pickled items will be ready for consumption on חול המועד, so therefore, משנה says, כובשן, כובשן means he's actually able to pickle them, and of course, uh, Rashi comes along and says, in brine, for example, they put fish and salt and things like that, so as long as they'll be ready to eat on חול המועד, which is they pickle fast, something I guess takes longer time, so then it's going to be permissible. Now we start with the Gemara. We said in the beginning of the Mishnah that when it comes to making a ma'akeh, it's permissible to do it in Cholam so long as it's ma'aseh hediot. So the Gemara says, what's considered ma'aseh hediot? Yosef Amar Behutza Bedafna. They're making it out of leaves and branches, things like that, nothing permanent. And Bematnita, Ta'ananda Braita, we learned Sar Betzoror, Ve'enotach Betid, he actually can put rocks, as long as you don't add cement. We saw this um, uh, similar answer regarding another case of making a wall, which we said was also the difference between amateuristic way and professional way. Shafin etat tzedakin u'ma'agilin otan b'ma'agila. So it says in the Mishnah that you're allowed to smoothen the cracks in the oven. U'ma'agilin otan b'ma'agila. You can even use this roller... Is that you, t- you, you know, use it in a circular motion in order to seal the oven. So the Gemara comes along and says, You told me in the Mishnah you could actually use this apparatus called the Ma'agila. Do you have to tell me in the Mishnah that you can use your hand or your foot? Clearly that's less professional than a Ma'agila. So if you can use a Ma'agila, which is an instrument, so certainly it should be permissible to use your hand and your leg to do it manually. You're allowed to smoothen the crats. You're not using the magila, it sounds like over here from this. You could use your hand and your leg and do the motion of a magila. But you cannot use... So according to the way we're learning now, it comes out that you cannot use a magila bichlal. The question of the Mishnah was, can you use your hand and foot in a, in a similar fashion that would do the same process? And the Mishnah is saying yes. Only problem with the learning like this is, then the Mishnah is telling us, that's superfluous. Of course you cannot use a mahalatzayim. You can't even use a magila. <laughs> would the Mishnah have to tell me that I can't use a mahalatzayim? So if I'm not mistaken, the Ritvah comes along and learns the Mishnah consistently and says, you cannot use your hand and leg and your feet in the way a Mahalatsayim would do the job. You can only use it in the way a Ma'agal would do it. So he learns no instruments are permissible. The question is, what are you trying to mimic when you're using your hand and your, and your foot? So the Mishnah is saying, well, you could use it in an amateur way, which would be mimicking the uh, instrument of a Ma'agila, but you cannot do it in a more professional way, which would mimic the more professional instrument called the Mahal Saim. So it comes out, no instruments are permissible, only Yad Veregel, and only when the Yad Veregel are mimicking a Ma'agila. Hatsir, Vatsinor, Vakora, Vamanol, Vamafteyah, Shinish Biru. These are all things relating to the door. You can fix them on Cholam when obviously, like we learned, you have a hefset over here, robbers, Ganavin can come in 
and therefore you can fix the lock. Would mean he we have a contradiction Adyamav until his days. Whose days are we talking about? Yohanan Kohen Gadol. It seems that on, on Chola Moed, they used to have the uh, patish, the hammer banging in Yerushalayim. And then on Chola Moed, until Yohanan Kohen Gadol came and he made a takana, too much noise, no more banging in the streets of Yerushalayim or the markets of Yerushalayim. So therefore, Ad until the days of Yohanan Kohen Gadol, yes, Mikan ve'ilach lo. So how can you tell me that you could fix these locks? Obviously, when you're fixing these locks, it's banging. And therefore, it seems after Yohanan Kohen Gadol, there was no more banging allowed in Yerushalayim. So the Gemara will answer, like Kan be'denafche, kan be'denagre. It all depends what type of banging. If it's the banging of a blacksmith, which they bang on the anvil, which is very loud, that Yohanan Kohen Gadol forbade. But over here, this is carpentry work. And therefore, when the carpenter bangs on wood, it's not such a loud sound. And therefore, that was not part of the Gezerah. Now, Mishnah is talking about carpentry work, which is the, the, the fixing the door. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? Yomru, kala rabba asir, kala zuta share. Why are you making now differentiations between a loud sound and a, a lower sound? Once Yohanan Kohen made a Gezerah, it sounds like he made a Gezerah across the board. You're going to start differentiating between a louder bang and a lower bang. Not Mr. Bed, because that was a Gezerah. Ela Marev Chazda, la kashya. Ha be ha be Depends what instrument you're using. Amishnah is talking about using a Magal, which is like a saw, which is quiet, which doesn't make any noise at all. Ha be In the case of Yohanan Kohen Gadol, was talking about a Hatsineh, which obviously makes more noise than the Magal. Papa, another answer. Can Kodim Gezerah, Can Nahad Gezerah. Very simple. Our Mishnah was written before the Gezerah. And therefore, before the Gezerah, in Echename, it was permissible to fix the door, even banging. But after the Gezerah of Yohanan Kohen Gadol, in Echename, we're not allowed to uh, fix, the, uh, fix the door in a, in a fashion which is going to cause <coughs> noise. Rav Asher Amar, Rav Asher said, Har bihuda, har biyoseh. I give another answer, and we can say that this is based on the mahloket between the bihuda and the biyoseh, which is what? Tamar b'yitzak bar avdimi, man tanas shinui b'moed, b'davara aved. Who's the opinion that says that even if you have davara aved, you still need to make a shinui, you still must do it in an unusual manner. Dilokin biyoseh. Well, I'll tell you one thing, it's not the biyoseh. Because the Biyo says, says, once already you have a Dabara Aved, you're able to do it in the usual manner. And therefore the Gemara says, Amara Bina, Keman Madlina Naidana, Keviyuta de Dasha, Bechola de Moada, which means, when let's say some of the uh, nails of the, uh, of the wood come out of the doorpost, and you want to bang it back in, so what, what's the Eter to bang it back in without a Shinui? We're relying on, again, Dabara Abed. If you don't fix the door, you can come to Ganabim. Who are we relying on? Keman, Kerebi Yosef. And therefore, uh, Rabbi Sheh says that our Mishnah is following the Shitav Rabbi Yosef that allows you to fix the door in the normal fashion. But in the Khanami, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you would have to fix it in a Shinui fashion. Gemara continues. Gemara says, Kevashim Shuyachol Le'ochol. Now we get to a story. Badita libai kavre. We have to understand 
what these three words mean. So we'll use that she tells us that Badita is the name of a river. Liba is the name of a place. So the river in Liba had what? Kevare, which is fish. What would happen? Sometimes the river would get drained. And when the water comes out of the river, all the fish get stuck in that spot over there. Now you got a lot of fish, free food. So what happens over here? Azal kule alma, kule alma, the whole place came. And what? Tzud, and they, they, they trapped the fish. They don't have to trap them, they're all there. They just took the fish. Aitu kavra, they took the fish. Shara lehu rabah minayu. And Abad said, okay, you could salt them. Now, even though the Chaura, once you salt these fish over here, they might not be edible on Chola Mo'ed. So we have a problem over here. Amar le Abaye, we learned in the Mishnah, Kebashim shehu yachol le'echol mehen b'mo'ed kovshan. So therefore, only things that are edible on Chola Mo'ed is permissible. How did you allow them to make a medicha on Chola Mo'ed? Again, they were salting so many of them, clearly they were not planning on eating all of these fish on Chola Mo'ed. So they, they're salting much more than they're going to consume. Since initially they brought these fish with intention to eat them, and now what's going to happen? They want to eat these fish. Now if you leave the fish... What's going to end up happening? You're going to have said If you don't salt them, they're going to be lost. It turns into what? Like a, like a business venture that if you don't deal with it, you're going to have said So basically, they brought them with the right intentions. They brought them to eat. Okay, now they brought them to eat. Now you got a lot of fish over here. So what are you going to do now? Let the, let, let the other ones go to, to waste? Once already you brought them with the right kavana, even though there might be some coming to waste, Hakamim allowed them to finish and making the uh, salting process because now it really becomes a so According to this answer, it goes according to the initial kavana that they were bringing the fish to eat. The Ika the Amri, some have a different version of this story. Shari lehu rava metzad mezal aituye umimlah. That in the first version it just says, that uh, they went and they did it. The second version says, actually, Rabbi gave them a heter and told them, go trap it, go bring them. And he actually told them, go salt it. He gave them a full heter initially. So Gabbara says, Amale Abaye. Abaye will ask the same question. Different answer. These are edible. Who said you can't eat these? They're permissible to eat them. The question is, how can you eat these? Once you put them in salt, they're very, very, very salty. And therefore, it takes a lot of time for them to get unsalted to become edible again. And therefore, the assumption was they're not going to be ready for Chola Mo'ed. And the answer is no. Using the process called Itzitza, they can be permissible on Chola Mo'ed, which is what? You press them. If you press them, and soak them a lot of times, what ends up happening, the salt that's in the fish will, will go away, and ultimately you'll be able to eat them. So therefore they are edible. He pressed them 60 times. I think 60 is an exaggeration, but the point is, he did it many times, and then he 
ate it. To show you that what? That even something that is quite salted is a way to make it edible immediately. Rava ekla leberesh geluta. So they invited the Rava, he found himself by the resh geluta. Abdi le shitin Same thing. They gave him the salty item. They pressed it and soaked it 60 times. And bingo, it became edible. So you see that even something that's very, very salty, there's a way to make it edible immediately. Rav Ikla lebe bar shapir. Came to the house of bar shapir. Aitu lekamayu kavra. And they brought him a fish. Seems it was a big fish. Tilta bishula. One third of the fish was cooked. Tilta milha. One third of it was salted. Vitilta tavya. One third was roasted. And what? You have to say that, how did he eat the salted part of it? Through the process of itzitzah. That they must have soaked it and pressed it, and therefore even the salted part was <coughs> edible. That's what the Gemara is bringing. That story that she points out, through the process of pressing and soaking. Now we get some advice from the fisherman called Adas Saida. Advice number one for all fish lovers. If you want to really enjoy and get the best flavor out of the fish, don't eat it fresh out of the water. So when they tell you fresh fish caught today, that's not the item you're looking for. Eat it right before it goes putrid. Again, don't eat it spoiled, obviously, but right before it goes putrid, that's when you'll get the best benefit out of the fish. Now, Tosfot is going to recommend that. Do not take this recommendation. And Tosfot says on the top, Today we believe that anything that's close to, you know, getting spoiled is actually more close to sakana than appetizing. We're going to see now, he's going to give some other advices of what to eat with the fish, like have some water after and things like that. Maybe these things changed. We know that some of the remedies that the Talmud offered, you know, those days it worked, but today it doesn't work. So eating, you know, putrid, almost putrid fish, again, to forth saying, not Good recommendation for today. Who knows? Maybe he was talking about the, the fish that come from the rivers of Babel, but not all fish. And therefore, the Tosfos in Europe. And therefore, you know, it's like, don't, don't do it. Tosfos then says, it could be that when he said Chavra, he doesn't mean all fish. There was a certain fish that was called Chavra. So the Adad, the fisherman, was giving a very limited advice. He's saying, if you eat this specific fish called the Chavra, the best way to eat it is close to when it gets spoiled. But all other fish, obviously, uh, we would take uh, fresh fish, uh, and that would be the best way to eat it. He gave another advice back to the Gemara. V'amar Rav, Amadi Adad Saida. Again, Adad, the, the trapper, which is the fisherman, said, when it comes to fish, uh, roast it or grill it with its brother. Okay, who's the brother of the fish? The salt. 
because the salt and the fish both grow in the same place. So therefore, salt it before when you are grilling it. Asuke be'abu. Asuke be'abu is that after you roast it, put it in water. Mean, take it out and put it with its father. Who's the father of the fish? The water. Because the fish grows in the water. Without the water, the fish cannot live. Just like a father brings the child into the world. So that's they call the water the father of the fish. Mechle bebere. And eat it with its child. What's the child of the fish? The fish brine, the fish sauce. So therefore, when you eat the fish, this is the, you know, the, uh, the dips. So they were eating dips from the times of the Gemara, you see over here. Now, they didn't have garlic mayo in those days. They didn't know better. So they were eating it with the fish brine. Mechle bebere. And if you finish, drink some of its father. I mean, wash it down with a cup of water. When you eat fish or tahle, cress, the halba, milk, any of these three items, you should exercise after. Don't, don't go to sleep. If you do these items, your body needs to move. But don't go lie on your bed. Certain foods, you shouldn't go to sleep uh, on these items when they're in your stomach. You need to work them off. Again, kavra, fish, cress, and milk. Last advice from Adar, a fisherman. Kavra, when you're eating fish, when you're eating uh, cress or milk. Maya. Wash it down with water, not beer. Now, if you have no choice, beer, and not wine. So all those people that eat uh, fish with white wine, uh, Abbas Saidah was telling you, you're better off having a cup of water, even a cup of beer, before you have some wine with your fish. Again, Tosfot doesn't comment on this over here, but I'm sure... A lot of the local fish restaurants will argue with this Gemara and come along and say that it changed and therefore they will serve white wine with the, uh, with the fish. But again, that's, uh, again, it's not a Tosfot's opinion, at least Tosfot, the Rashi on the bottom says, Mutav lishtot acharen mayim velo shechar adran alach mashkin beta shelachina. We turn the Amud Rabotai. We have good news. We start today, Perek Sheni. We start with the Mishnah. <clears throat> okay, now we go back to a process that we talk about a lot in Shas. In those days, they were involved in making fresh olive oil. So obviously, everything's a process. You can't just take an olive and squeeze it, and then olive oil comes out. You need to involve yourself in the process. So what they would do was, first... They would soften the olives. They would put it in a ma'atan, in like a bucket of olive oil, and they mix it, and it becomes soft. After it becomes soft, now immediately after that, they have to take a press and put the weight of the press on the olives, and you start to get what we call today first press oil, which is the best oil. Problem is, if you don't do the pressing right away, these olives now will become spoiled or have said and you're not going to be able to get the oil out of it. So these processes have to actually happen, you know, in, in, in sequence and in order and immediately. So the case is like this. 
He finished stage one. Hafagat Zetav, he mixed the Zetim, ready for pressing. Vid or Avel. Barmenan, the guy became an Avel. We know one of the things that the rabbis forbade to somebody that God forbid is Ba'avelut, lo aleinu velo alechem, forbidden to do melacha. So now he's stuck. What is he going to do to his olives? Interestingly enough, the Mishnah is not going to answer this question regarding an Avel. But it's going to answer it in the next case. Or honest. Or let's say not Avel. Honest came. Some type of circumstance that he wasn't able to press them. David, honest, what does Rashi say? Honest. Um, so that she tells us circumstances out of his control wasn't able to get the olives on the press before the regal now we're discussing a regal issue so the shilah is going to be are we going to allow them on hola mo'ed to continue the process of making his olives Making his oil. Or, another case, Shit'u Po'alim. What happened? He got tricked by his workers. Nothing changes. And as she says, they didn't show up. He hired workers to come to do the job before the holiday. Workers didn't show up. They're sitting home getting their uh, paychecks from the government. Nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> so what happened? Now, Cholam it comes, and he's got to deal with these, uh, these, these olives over here. So it says he's permissible, even in Hola Mo'ed, to take the first press and the first boards and press them. Once you make the first press, then you can leave them. Nothing's going to happen. And you can finish the process after Hola Mo'ed. Rabbi actually says, finish the whole entire process. Zolef, let them, let them drip. Gomer, Finish all the the, 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 the pressing, gaf, put them in barrels, and gaf kedarko, and seal the barrels kedarko. If you look at that she, to'en korari shonam, that she says that you could put first press. What does it mean, first press? Kilomar. Kilomar. Notna agave bet habad baregel, besohet alehen hakora pa'amahat. Tihilo abidhachi, hikat pisidayit hera. If you're not going to do first press, it would be too big of a loss to incur, so therefore they let him do at least First press. Now, there might be some have said, by the way, with this delay, but like she says, it's not going to be such a big loss. If you don't do the first press, it'll be a big loss. After that, small loss, you lose some oil, maybe. Not enough to be matir. However, to be Yosek, as long as it says Zolef. Zolef, now, whatever, whatever spills out, it's called uh, Ziluf, and therefore it's going to be uh, permissible. So now the Gemara begins. Gemara. Patach be'ebel v'siyem b'mo'ed. A strange Mishnah. The Mishnah opens up, And then it jumps to, And then that's referring to, an honest that incurred before the regel. So now we're talking about two different cases over here. We're talking about an avel, legabe pressing olives, or a pressing olives on the regel. So make up your mind. And the Mishnah, by the way, does not give us an answer seemingly to the case of evel. It just comes along and says, 
קורה ראשונה ומניחה לאחר המועד. The Mishnah is answering what you do on Mo'ed, but it doesn't tell us what the Avel does. So the Gemara says, Amar of Shisha, Bered de Rav Idi, Zotomeret, Devarim Amutarim ba Mo'ed, Asurim b'me'evlo. You know why the Mishnah didn't give you an answer to the Avel case? Because it's forbidden. Even though it would be permissible to do all these things on Hola Mo'ed, but the varim that are mutar, the mo'ed, will be asur ba'evel. And that's what the Mishnah didn't answer. The Mishnah is basically saying it's only permissible to do these things on the mo'ed. But, like a be'evel, the mourner would not be allowed to do this type of work. There's a difference between evel, which is more strict than hola mo'ed. Rabbi says, no. Rabbi says, lo me'baya kama. The Mishnah is in a lo me'baya uh, style. He says, no. The Mishnah is saying, Abed, Pashut is going to be mutar. It goes without saying. After all, the Isur Malaka of Avelut is only Midra Banan. The Hadush is not only by Avelut is this Malaka going to be mutar, but even that the Isur Malaka is the Oraita. Like we learned from Pesukim on Daf Bet, if you remember the Mishnah. So therefore, he says, but in the case of Peseda, Nachemim had leverage in order to allow it. Tanya kevate de Rav Shisha, de Rav Idi. Now we got to get the Shitot clear. Rav Shisha's opinion was that Avel himself is Asur to do work even though it's Davar Ha'avid. Now here's the proof to Rav, Idi, Rav Shisha Bar Idi. Stop right there. The following items, it is permissible for others to do for the Avel. So right away you see, they're not letting the Avel do these things. They're only allowing others to step in and help. And that's exactly what Avshisha said. Avshisha said that the Avel himself, even though there's going to be a loss, we're not allowing him to do it. Now what are these things? First one, Zetab Hapuchin, if already the Avel's olives were already in the Ma'atan being turned around, ready for pressing, To'aninlo, they could do it for him, they, they can press for him, but he cannot press for himself. Vichadolaguv, let's say he has his cod, let's say of oil, and you need to seal it in order that no debris gets in and it doesn't spoil. Mishra. <coughs> Ought to take his flax out of the soaking. Canadians used to soak the flax. It was a process. Or they were dyeing, dy, they were dyeing his wool. And they need to take the wool out of the dyer spot. Or let's say it's the watering time to water the fields. When the time of watering reaches. Now, just to understand what onatamayim means, Rashi, Mishetagia. Mishetagia onatamayim shelo, kishehigia zimano lehashkot hasadeh, shikach hayu nohagim, kol echad veechad, mashke kol hatsadoshiva bik'ah, ishyomo shavua echad. Yuri, so it sounds like they had a rotation. And therefore, you know, every, every uh, whatever it was, time to time, somebody in the group would be in charge of watering the fields in the valley. And that's, let's say it comes to the time of the Avel to do it. It's his, his time in the rotation. So somebody else will take over his slot. Now, the she tells us before, all these things have a 
a common denominator between them. What's the, what's the common denominator in all these things? If you're not going to continue the process, there's going to be a loss, a monetary loss. But what, is the, what does it say? But it says that only others are able to step in, but the Abel himself, not. And the Mishnah, and the Kibbalaita continues. Uh, the Let's say already his field, the Avel's field that is, was plowed. Now it's primed for planting. So therefore they can start to even plant in his field. Let's say the field was primed to plant flax. And he didn't get to plant it yet. So the friends of the Avel will be able to step in and plant flax. So the Hakamim argue, Amru lo, im lo Why do you allow to, to, to plant seeds? It's true, you'll get an early crop, but what's the difference? Let him get a late crop. Let him finish the Avelut and plant afterwards. No loss. The only difference is going to be earlier crop or later crop. Therefore, no heter to plant seeds. Im lo and if he can't plant flax, because it seems there's a certain time that you plant flax, so let him plant something else. That's not considered enough said to even let others step in in order to do that avodah. Let's say the uh, Avel. He has his olives already turned, ready for pressing. Amazing. And the only one who knows how to do it properly, the only professional is the Avel himself. His barrel needs to be sealed. And he's the only professional. To take out the flax from the soaking. Or the wool from the dye. The Ban Shimon is leaning says, Allow the Avel to do this work. However, it must be done which means in private. Now look at the second line in the Shi David. That is a Yase. Right, we'll get to Surah Rabim in a second. But over here, all these things are peseda. So we're going to tell, nobody's able to do it. He's the boss, he's the professional guy. So therefore, you can allow the Avel to get involved and do it himself. Now. Right. right. So, some have the no gersat, some have it. So points out. He's more to the opinion of Rav Shisha that he really shouldn't do it. Okay? If, if he's the only Uman. Now what's that dollar over there in Tosfot? The dollar is... That we'll see now. We'll get to the Arisim in a second. Yeter Alken, more than this, said... This is amazing. Let's say the guy is the uman for the people, which means for the sibur. He is the professional guy. 
For example, Sapar, he's the barber of the town, he's the most professional guy. Ubalan, he's a balan, meaning he's in, 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 the, uh, in the bathhouse. So he's the professional guy. So basically the Sibu needs him. Vigia et regel, and now it's the time of the regel, people need haircuts, people need, uh, you know, to go to the bathhouse. Ve'encham uman elahu, and there's nobody else that can do the professional work like him. So now we see an amazing hadush over here. Forget about doing his own work, because he has said. If he needs to do this, the work for the Sibu, they're relying on him. Sorech Rabim, the Aveza allowed to come out of Avelut and give the haircuts. And he could go attending the uh, bathhouse, because the people need him for the, for the regal. And now, the, in private. So the Gebarak comes along and says, and that's what Tosfot pointed out, that do it in uh, private. And now the Gebarak comes along and says, another Hadush over here. Ha'arisin ve'ahachidin ve'akablanin. Before we get to the law, let's try to define each one of these guys. And Aris is a sharecropper, as we call him. Rashid Lashon is? So they're getting profits either a third of the growth of the field or a quarter, 25% of the growth of the <coughs> of the field. So they're sharing in profits of the field. They get a percentage of the growth of the field. What is hachidin? Oh, so over here it's a little different hachida. Hachida, he's getting the payment from the field itself. Aris gets automatic percentage. The hachir can only get paid from the field itself. That means if the field doesn't produce anything, it doesn't get paid. That's the difference between an aris and a hachir. Aris is getting, getting a percentage. Not necessarily from the field. The hachir, he gets his percentage davka from the field itself. So if there's no field, so if there's no profits, he's not going to get anything. And then you have the regular kablan. What's the kablan? They get a fixed price over there. I'm sorry, Kablanim, I'm reading again. They're watching the field for a certain amount of time for a fixed uh, price. Again, the only difference between Aris and Hachir is that Aris is getting a percentage. But again, I will point that of the field itself. And the Hachir is getting a certain amount of fixed kurim. That's the only difference between Aris and Hachir. They're both getting from the product of the field. question is, is it a percentage or is it a fixed price? The Kablan is not getting anything from the field. But Kablan is just working for a salary and he just watches the field. So again, Harisin, the percentage workers, Hachirin. Or the workers that are getting a fixed amount from the field. Or the Kablanin are just getting paid. And what's the common denominator? They all guys became Avelim. And now what happens? They can't work the field anymore. If they're not going to work the field, it's going to be a hefsed for them. So it says, let others step in and work for them. Mishnah continues. These are people that rent out Hamorim uh, donkeys. Agamalin, they rent out their camels, but Sapanim, or they rent their boats out. Okay, so if he's a, you know, this is the old the the the, the, the car rental guy. 
So therefore, he cannot rent out any of his animals if he becomes avail. He can't do business. And therefore, as long as they're not rented out, he cannot rent them out when he becomes avail. The Rashi says, Lo yaskiru they're getting the profits. They're making the business. However, it says, Let's say the rentals took place before the Avelut. So the, the, guy, the Avel's animals were already rented out on the street to people. So they can continue doing the work. There's no problem for them to continue. Why? Rashi. Him or, or oh, very important, Rashida. Him, even if they themselves, the Avel, was already a hired worker, working already by contract by one of these, by somebody else. Right, a month or two, whatever, they have a contract of job. That's a beautiful thing here. That she's telling you, since the guy's working for the month, if he quits in the middle, he doesn't get paid anything. So therefore, that's going to be already, you broke your contract, you're in breach. So therefore, he loses a big, uh, big item. And not only he, he loses, but the employer also loses, because it's worker. So therefore, it's a loss on both sides. So if already he's in contract, even though he's Ba'avel, the Banchuk allows him to continue finishing the contract. However, Schiriyom, if he's a daily worker, and now God forbid he becomes avail midday, afilu lo Why lo Because if he quits midday, how much is he losing at the end? It's not such considered a big hefzid. So therefore, they say just let him let him quit. Read that she sechiri yom echad afilu. Well, it's unbelievable. And nobody knows he's Avel, because it's in a different city. And therefore, what? There's nobody to eye in, nobody to say, doesn't matter. Lo Yaseh. Right? Rule is a worker, a daily worker could quit midday. <coughs> okay, you're right, he's not going to get paid for only what he worked. He's not going to get paid for the whole day, but it's not such a chef said. So therefore, even Aban Shemom Gamliel does not allow the worker to continue. Now, the Gemara comes along and says that Let's say he was working for others. That means, let's say he's a worker and somebody gives him stuff to take care of and he has that product in his hands. So it says, even though he's a kablan. Kablan, basically, he's getting paid to finish the job. So even though he's getting paid to finish the job, lo he should not continue. Now, this doesn't make any sense. Kablan is a reason not to make it permissible. Kablan is a reason to obviously be forbidden because there's no, there's no pressure. He's getting paid to finish the job. So why would I need to tell me that even though he's a kablan, which sounds like it's saying, and it should be permissible, lo yaseh, the Gebrah says, afa pishu b'kibolet, velo mebaya she'en ha'kibolet. The Gebrah says, what are you telling me? That even though he's a kablan, and it goes without saying, if he's not a kablan, the sevarah is the opposite. Adarabah, kibolet kedidedameh. When a guy's a kablan, it's like his work, he works on his own time. So kablan is pashut asur. 
because it's he, he can do whatever he wants. So you don't have to tell me even though he's a kablan, it should say because he's a kablan, it's going to be forbidden. So the Gemara is exactly that. Ela ema ben kibolet, which is obviously is going to be forbidden. Because why does that bill have to work? Just stop working and finish it after the seven days. Ben she'ena kibolet, which is a hidush, lo yaase. He should not continue the job. And as she says, what's the case of as she says, first we're talking about it's in his house, so it's private. Kegon. Right, which means he's, he's weaving a garment or something like that. He's a tailor. So since he's a kablan, so finish it after, the, no problem. The man of the Gemara continues. Let's say his melacha was by others. They cannot work in the Avail's house. But they could work for the Avail on his stuff in a different house. And now the Gemara comes along and says some stories. Marion, Bere de Ravin, Umor Bere de Rabaha, Bere de Raba. They had a certain gamla de Torah. I guess it was a, a camel, a pair of camels. Actually, a pair of uh, oxen. Okay, they worked together. So what happened? They have this pair of oxen that they're partners with. They're partners. So one of the partners became Avil. So what did he do once he became Avil? So he took his ox out of the out of the group. And now what he compromised his partner now, because his partner can't work. So the Gabara says, Amar of Ashe, What is he doing? Why is he pulling his animal out of the uh, out of the connection? It's true that he has to incur a loss for himself. Therefore, he doesn't care about his own loss. He's not worried about the loss of his partner. His partner can't work now with one ox. He needs two of them. So the fact that he pulled it out, he has no right to pull it out. It's affecting his partner. Didn't we just learn that if his animals are rented out, uh, or leased out to others, so therefore, what's the problem? He should, he should have just left his animal working. It's considered as if it's rented out to his partner. So what was his logic? That a hashuv man has to act in a stringent way. Why? People that are hashuv, they're famous people, everybody's going to talk. Therefore, he felt you gotta be strict. And the Rabbi was telling him, no, there's no haluk between Adam Hashuv and a regular guy. Let's read the Rashi, Lev Sid Dida Lochayish. Right, we understand he's not, he doesn't want his animal to work and he's not worried about his own hefsid. However, Lev Sid Dida Harini. Ah, so he should have been concerned about the hefsed of his uh, of his friend. 
Okay, Rabotai. That's basically the top of the day. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Be'amen.